Hey y'all, welcome to Shelf Life, a podcast where I, Nicole Barbosa, chat with some of the coolest people in publishing about the wonderful world of books. In each episode, my guest and I will chat all about their book, Real or Imaginary, and then place it on a shelf alongside other authors and books that inspire them. Great literature frozen in time. It's definitely one for all the bibliophiles. In today's episode, I chat with award-winning journalist and author Daisy Buchanan. Whether you know Daisy from her hilarious recaps of Made in Chelsea or her thousands of brilliant features on topics such as social media, feminism, and body confidence, it will come as no surprise that Daisy's new book, The Sisterhood, is already creating a huge buzz. It's a hilariously funny and honest love letter to the women in Daisy's life. This must-needed memoir celebrates the special connection between biological and spiritual sisters. I've been a fan of Daisy's for many years, so our chat was a real treat. Hello, Daisy. How are you? Hello, Nicole. I'm very well, thank you. Excited to be recording at the Waterstones Tottenham Court Road branch down in their cosy little basement. I really, really love it here. So before coming here today, I was trying to think how long we've known each other and I reckon it's been about five years. And one question that I've never actually asked you, but I've always wanted to know, when you do a Google search for your name, as you know, a fictional character comes up quite prominently in the results pages, which is... Of course, Daisy Buchanan from The Great Gatsby, which is an F. Scott Fitzgerald character. Is that quite a lot of pressure to have the same name as a fictional character? That is a really good question. <laughs> I like that question. And I'm interested in it because that Daisy is a monster. When I started working professionally, it was long, long before the big Baz Luhrmann movie. And I think there was a time when people wouldn't immediately hear my name and think, oh, Gatsby. They'd be like, oh, Daisy. I know it's to do with books and reading and something vaguely literary. And I think that for a little while it worked in my advantage and made me sound a lot more established than I was. And now sometimes I do worry that it's a bit silly because that Daisy is so awful. And I think there's something about when there is a big film of a a big book. And obviously that's, you know, by no means the first Gatsby film, but that film's recent enough to maybe shift things um it's funny as well because i write a very very silly catch-up column about made in chelsea Mm. and on that program they're always having dress parties and oh (laughs) the roaring 20s the great gatsby so there are lots of um connections shonky imitation daisy buchanan's around um and you know obviously i I do love that look i could not be built for it left i've got boobs and a bum and if i dress like a flapper i look like a marquee which is a shame because I wish I could. I do want to say, though, that my favourite, favourite F. Scott Fitzgerald book is Tender as the Night. I and I, I read it once a year and it always surprises me. And I think I first read it as a teenager and mm. I felt very differently about it um, when I first read it than I do now. And every year, Dick disappoints me much, much more. And I think a lot about Nicole Diver and Rosemary Hoyt. Sometimes I think that Fitzgerald writes women really really well and that we can be as vain and silly and monstrous as any men because i think a lot about baby in tender is the night as mm. well and it's this idea of unreal wealth and yeah, he was writing at a time when all of women's activities were like entirely limited by their mm. economic status or yeah. well, there are lots of female fictional characters who are I don't think they're badly written. I think we feel that way about them now because they were created when, you know, women could really only be sort of 
adventuresses. Their freedom was so, so, so curtailed by the fact that it was, you know, marry well or die. You know, that's obviously what Jane Austen was writing about, you know, beneath all the wit. My God, it's fascinating. And I do love writers who capture that so well. Just taking us back to, especially because we're in the setting of where it happened, mm. taking us back to that book launch, which was April... April 2017. 2017, that I think Ashley a was me trying to use parts of, of my life and talking to people to illustrate and make say useful comfortable points about the hardest bits of your 20s but the sisterhood it really is much more about my life what it's like to grow up as the eldest of, of six girls about my sisters my understanding of friendship and feminism and all the love and hate and tenderness and jealousy and ferocity that women experience with each other based on my relationship with those girls and their relationship with each other and yeah it's obviously it's quite raw and I'm really aware now I'm reviewing books occasionally for the independent it makes it really daunting because I know I know how hard it is to write a book even when I've read books where I've not necessarily enjoyed it or found anything to engage with them someone out there does think this is the best thing ever written and more importantly someone out there has woken up every morning and wanted to like scream and cry and bite down in the pillow because like, I have to write my book <laughs> and it's I think really important to respect all creative work god I can't I'm so 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 lucky to be able to do it how do you feel when people tell you that this helped them navigate adulthood it's interesting because this next book is about my sisters but I think that first book was really for them and for me and I think it was very much presented and sold and packaged as as self-help and advice but really my advice was you know you have got this we're all so much more capable and strong than than we think we are I think it's a book that I hope you have to sort of take a bit a bit personally I think to enjoy it you need to have some engagement or connection with the the various personal humiliations I've written about and so when people have that connection it just melts me I feel like a big soggy mess of of love and what I really 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 hope that I've happened if it has helped anyone and lots of people have been really lovely and they've said that it has is that they've not necessarily maybe taken anything from it that they didn't know but they've been told that it is okay to feel as they do and to be who they are and I think anyone who follows you knows how deeply personal you can get with your messages and with encouragement and things that you say which is one of the reasons why I believe that your articles and things that you write are so successful because people look to you for that encouragement for that inspiration and for those who have loved and read how to be a grown-up like I did in your foreword you give a very personal account of what was going on when got the idea for the book you describe this this panic attack that you were having and you were you know looking through google and trying to figure out what was actually going on and you were coming up with results like how to be a grown-up and how to navigate your 20s and 30s and am i enough what was really going through your head at that moment and why was it ultimately so important for you to to write this book and to share it with the world well thank you so so much for your incredibly kind words i really could not appreciate your support and cheerleading more it's a really good question and i guess what I'm learning and what I perhaps didn't know when I started writing the book but I did start to realise when I'd finished is I think I thought that adulthood is synonymous with a feeling of of completion of being ready of having all of your rough edges smoothed down being level and now I know that is nonsense that we never stop 
growing or evolving and there is no one way and and it's not something that ever ever finishes I mean you will never be a grown-up because there's no such thing as a much less catchy title (laughs) I'll say that but I think I'm just starting to realize how we're all multifaceted in this era of hot takes and strong opinions we can think so many conflicting things about the world and about ourselves and that I guess a bit of me was thinking you know will I be enough when I've written this book when it's a a physical object that people can read will I feel this sense of validation and that I've made it and I can stop worrying about you know who I am and you know being insecure professionally and the answer is no I will never stop worrying about that I will take those worries to the grave self-acceptance is something that is talked about a lot but it's really really difficult to achieve and we do live in a world of relentless you know be yourself love yourself that's the most important thing but also have you thought about changing these five things I want to be happy being me but I want to be better and I do think that um my friend Dolly Alderton wrote a brilliant Sunday Times column about kindness and self-love and how being kind to yourself is incredibly important, but also latterly that's become a bit of a lazy shorthand for that. Oh, I, I'm not going to do anything I, I don't want to do because I'm being kind to myself. And yeah, I think to a point, it's okay to put yourself first because no one else is is going to do that i know now i cannot be kind to anyone unless i am kind to myself because you just you just get burned out and you run on empty for me picking up your book wasn't necessarily with the understanding that this was a how-to guide and that all the answers were going to be in this book it was more a i'm picking up something that just so happens to be written by a friend and it was more about placing myself in a position to read through what someone else had perhaps experienced or understood to be true about adulthood and then realizing where I could personalize it and one of the chapters that I read several times actually was about how to love your body and even though the words were there in front of me helping me to understand that concept it is something that I have struggled with for 15 years I just was wondering why do some of us myself included really struggle with this concept and I really just want to know will it ever go away this this nagging feeling that I just don't accept what I have in front of me I feel really guilty about the fact that I wrote that chapter in my book about loving your body and what I really tried to get across in that chapter was it's not easy and it's not constant what I'm currently in the throes of trying to figure out is whether I can eat in a way that's physically and mentally healthy in a way that enables me to to love my body and my god this isn't everybody has a different thing that feels good for them you know there's no point being prescriptive about size it's so so wide and broad and the love is the most important thing but we all do different things to get there and for some of us I think that's purely mental for me at the moment it meant trying something new and feeling differently which has been great for me but yeah it's it's entirely individual i mean pun intended but not intended it is not a one-size-fits-all yes way of looking at it or approach and it is interesting how any small thing can set you off and even if you're having a good week and you look fabulous and you feel fabulous one little thing can uh, can set you off can it it's just 
Oh God, it's, it's quite disheartening. So, so true. You've touched on that in so many different topics and it should come as no surprise to, to anyone why dozens upon dozens of publications like Grazia and Marie Claire and the Sunday Times invite you daily, weekly, monthly, you know, to write and share your thoughts on everything from Made in Chelsea recaps, which I have to admit and might lose some followers by saying this, I, I don't watch, um, but I do enjoy <laughs> Daisy's uh, Daisy's recaps. Well, you're incredibly sweet to to read it. Where are you presumably now? You're like, I, I have no idea. Yeah, I have who no idea who people these people are. Um, but you're I all Pongo, yeah. and Scuffy. <laughs> The names are delightful. Um, and then just recently you wrote about why we shouldn't be judging each other's spending habits, which I have to say that particularly hit home again for me. Um, I think sometimes you're just reading my mind. You just know exactly what it is I want to know and what I want to hear. I just want to know a bit more about what you enjoy the most when it comes to the topics that you cover. So I love writing about feelings and emotions and humanity, how we are, how we live. And I love trends but what I love the most about trends is exploring how they're connected usually with an aspect of humanity that always has existed and is being interpreted in a new way quite honestly a lot of the time I will pitch something like oh this human interest story is charming and whimsical I'm very very lucky in that most of the editors I work with are very supportive and open to exploring ideas and give me a chance to write about things that really do just feel like fumbling drifty bits of my brain and then they manage to kind of to pull them out and make them into a something they can hear and something that people tangible yeah, yeah. That, that people can recognize I suppose or hope um, I mean I, I think it's definitely me knowing when I feel you know bad or worried or anxious about something that's happening in the world I do want to write something that makes people feel seen and, and understood my favourite thing to do want to make people laugh if I can I, I just want to write really beautiful sentences who doesn't I guess I think that occasionally and it's really lovely when people get in touch on Twitter and you know email and wherever to say that they've they've read the piece and that and I think now we're in the such near of like I agree or I don't agree I don't care if you agree just, just tell me the writing is good tell yeah. me tell me it touched your soul I don't know it's it is interesting though that that social media platforms breed this nervousness and this fear of actually publicly disagreeing with someone and how you want to be seen as oh my gosh yes agree 100 percent but it's okay not to necessarily yeah, agree no one's ever it? said oh i agree 84 yeah. no i mean i never i, I definitely i read things and think oh bloody yeah. hell i'm not sure about that and i might you know what's that my friends but i'm read this yeah Oof. but i never go on twitter and say oh this is bad but also it's definitely to do with my own ego and vanity where i just want to be a good writer and a better writer and i think that perhaps comes back to the old self-acceptance is that heaven and the hell of writing for a living is you can always get better and and you can always learn from other writers exactly. and other inspirations I don't think anybody doesn't worry about whether or not they're good enough at, at the thing they do I think my problem is I internalise it and I don't mm. separate my work enough from me well but it is difficult to do that because you are giving a piece of, of you to the world and I think what's really nice is if you follow 
the people that we follow and if you are part of that community, the support that you get from fellow writers and fellow journalists is quite great. And I think that can inspire you to, to really write even more, doesn't it? It's absolutely true. People, for the most part, are just so lovely and kind mm. and generous. And that segues us very nicely into your new book, which is out Yay. in March, which is so exciting. It's called The Sisterhood. What is this book truly about and tell us about the women who star in it it's a memoir about growing up in a very close-knit loving and sometimes claustrophobic family i am the eldest child of my parents i have five younger sisters so you know we're all we're all millennials there's only a couple of years between us there you know so many kind of we're so so similar but so different and i wanted to write broadly on how Womanhood is about being surrounded by people you are so, so similar to and yet so, so different. And I think that all of the issues that my sisters and I experienced growing up, so rampant, rampant jealousy, constantly comparing ourselves to each other, throwing each other under the bus, but also knowing how to make each other laugh like nobody else, knowing exactly what we were going through, the experiences that we were having, you know, the hugs and the tenderness and the nicking each other's clothes. I think it was sort of womanhood in a intense microcosm and I really really hope that that mine is funny. I hope that it's funny to people who are outside the family. I think it's a book about female compassion and how sometimes it's actually it's easier to say to acknowledge that it's a it's full of love and hate and tenderness and tension. It's a really really complex relationship and we can celebrate all of those connections and find common ground with people who maybe we thought we never would and also be delighted by the differences between us. That sounds absolutely incredible and as someone who has a younger sister, uh, I have a younger brother and a younger sister so I'm also the eldest, there is something so precious and it's a bit bittersweet in a way of being a sister and also having a sister. I think that those are two very sometimes different things but they're also very similar as well and you know, my sister and I are 11 years apart, so there's quite a big age difference with my brother in between, bless him. I chatted with Kate Lever, who wrote a book called The Friendship Cure, which is fantastic, and she touches on the different ways that our friendships evolve and how they come in different packages and different sizes, and it is interesting how, if you're lucky enough to have those sisters, and even brothers sometimes, that reach us on different levels. I was talking to a friend about this who's, um He's got sisters and about that the difference between being sisters and being brothers and people might disagree but I feel as though brothers and sisters or maybe brothers and brothers are compared in the way that you might compare two different pictures by the same artist whereas I think sisters and sisters are compared like photocopies of the same picture as a real like why why are you different from each other and see how you're the same and the comparison it just it never stops I don't know if you felt like this with your your sister more than your brother my friend Lauren has said she's got two younger brothers and she felt a lot of freedom to, she's told me to be feminine and to be herself because there was something I think really liberating about not having anyone else's template of girlhood thrust upon her but I think that in life we compare women with women more than ever and we're trying really hard to get away from it but there's a sense of oh, we need a woman who's this, and you're too tall or short or funny or mm. weird or clever or goofy or 
smelly. <laughs> think that's a really good way of putting it. You know, you do say, oh, well, I wish I could be like this, and I wish I could be like this part of my brother or this part of my sister or what have you, but it's ultimately the, the uniqueness that, you know, my grandmother used to say, you know, you're all cut from one cloth, but you know, you're all very different styles and, and things like that. And that is, that's a good thing. It's so true and it's so weird, isn't it? I don't know if you find this, but definitely with my sisters, the things I love about them and notice about them and identify as being different from me, you know, when we talk about it, I just, I've never seen myself that way before. Mm. And also now we're closer than we've ever been because we're all adults with lives and it's, in discovering how different we are and growing up into different humans that we can really cherish our similarities but also I can't quite understand or appreciate or believe people know my sisters in ways I will never know them they've got friends that they're probably much more honest with than they are with me and vice versa and I'll be furious if they've not told me something that's happening but then if something bad happens to me I won't want to tell them until it's all shut. I'm like, why didn't you say? It's not fair, is it? But Nicole, I'm the eldest, and so I'm in charge, and they should tell me everything. No, I me. agree. I'm the eldest. I agree. So I have to, of course, touch on the fact that you yourself have done a podcast. It has very recently come out. It's called You're Booked, and it's fabulous and includes fabulous guests, and everyone is just fabulous in it. So for those you shame on you who haven't listened to it uh, like I said it's called you're booked and Daisy is quite literally snooping through people's bookshelves I mean what what is the best part about doing that I'm having the best time it's so much fun so it's mostly writers people I like or people I like on the internet and I want an excuse to try and be their friend really so <laughs> broadly the theme is about the secret reading habits of writers because I think that it's easy to use books in quite a grand way and I want to find out what people really read things that they've maybe read in secret I think most of us have a book that we happened upon quite early and um, for me it was Valley of the Dolls where I sort of knew uh, like, Jacqueline Susan it's just oh pulp heaven have um, you seen the Bette Midler film is there more that I've seen the really mad mad film sort of Bette Midler plays Jacqueline's and Nathan, Nathan Lane plays uh, her husband. It's pretty great. I recommend it. Is that, is that Valley of the Dolls or is that the biography of Jacqueline, Suzanne? Yeah, it might be that. But it's still really good. As the, some really, really good wig-based scenes. Yeah. It, um, might, it might be the, the life of Jacqueline, Suzanne, but I highly recommend it. But yes, Valley of the Dolls. Just sheer camp heaven. Um, but yeah, but knowing that I was encountering this adult world that I perhaps shouldn't be in and that made it all the more exciting. And I think for so many of us that really that has such an impact on our, our relationship with reading because yeah. reading's a weird habit and I've always, always loved it. And because I was, you know, bullied, lonely kid, books of my friends when I didn't have many friends and they brought me into all these worlds I never would have seen. And, you know, it's the intimacy of it and seeing the books that people have and all these you know, objects they, they pick up a lot and that they cherish and that I think a lot of us really do read for, for comfort. It's, it's so exciting to see how people read and what people reach for and, and also how people that love using books as decorative objects. I think we're mm. all, everyone I know has 
books they've not necessarily read and the books they hope to read. There's a lot of hope in the bookshelf. Yeah. Uh, so Andy Miller from one of my favourite podcasts, Backlisted, he wrote a brilliant book called The Year of Reading Dangerously about how he was a bookseller and then an editor but had fallen out of the habit of reading. And so he read some really quite heavyweight books and Andy's brilliant and he was getting fabulously errated on the fact that lots of people are quite nervous about reading the classics and the canon and reading should sometimes be a bit hard and that's when it gets rewarding and he is raiding against his culture now it's like oh you just you don't have to finish it 20 pages throw it out the window and i am very much of the opinion that it doesn't matter what you're reading as long as you're immersed in the world and you're getting something from it and i don't ever want people to be frightened of reading but I think it comes back to the kind of the self-love versus tough love. And Andy definitely persuaded me that a bit of literary tough love is no bad thing. He's possibly the most well-read person I've ever met. His shelves were just amazing. After you've listened to this podcast, you should definitely listen to Backlisted because it's so, so, so good. And he's a real reader of, of women as well and reads just so widely and everyone needs to listen to your book to absolutely love it. We have Dolly Alderton, who was your first guest, who's just oh, fabulous. Dolly's got some great stories. Yeah. Um, it's a really good one about Rod Stewart yeah. and impropriety. Yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna spoil it for no. people. We're gonna let them <laughs> listen to it. So that brings us to our final question, which we're gonna look at your bookshelf now, so to speak. So the whole premise of this podcast is to invite people who I admire in the literary world to imagine that their book, it can be any of your books, the one that's coming out in March, buy it, or the ones that have already come out. If you put it on a shelf and you could have any books or authors alongside yours on that shelf, who would it be and why? Who inspires you? So really, these are my my sisters in books. These are your your bookshelf dinner party, if if you think of it maybe that way. Who do you want to be on your shelf? That's really lovely. I'm going to start by saying uh, Curtis Sittenfeld, who I loved and admired one of my favorite for a writers. long time. Absolutely um, love her. I really, really, really loved her reworking of uh, Pride and Prejudice. Oh, eligible. Because it's so stylishly and slickly so done. Good. It's about sisters. I will take all of my your book guests so far. Dolly Alderton, Everything I Know About Love, which has just won the National Book Award. And it's tender and comforting and sweet and brilliant and fabulously funny and beautiful. Um, also, Sarah Manning's latest, um, The Rise and Fall of Becky Sharp, which is a brilliant satire on Vanity Fair. It's a modern retelling. It's great. Um, I'll take Cathy's book, A Manual for Heartache, which is an emotional encyclopedia of fabulous wisdom. Nancy Mitford, The Pursuit of Love, my most favourite book. Possibly for reasons similar to my next book, which is Jilly Cooper, uh, Rivals. I'm a member of the Jilly Cooper Book Club, founded, I think, by my brilliant friend, Kat Brown, and just filled with the best of women. And we talk all day long on WhatsApp, and they just keep me sane and happy, and I couldn't love them more, and they are are my girls. Um, And we all met Jilly, which was glorious. But I think that... Uh, Jilly and Nancy, if I may call them that. They're romantics, for sure, but just so funny. And what I love as well about Nancy Mitford is the genteel poverty of it. They are very, very grand, but there's quite a lot of of making do. And actually, I think that had a big effect on me growing up. I read lots and lots of books of people being poor but grand. Um, I'm going to 
take Neil Stratfield as well. God, do I take ballet shoes? I suppose what I really loved about ballet shoes was all the lodges and mm. everything they, they brought in the sense of sort of communities coming together and, you know, the doctors and their fabulous foreign snacks and... Yeah, and also the thing I loved about ballet shoes was that sense of hustle that they were all making money and it was like, oh, my art, I must do my art. It was a real, like, mm, no, I, I want to help family out. If I'm in a pantomime, I'll get a pound a week, which I never stopped feeling like that as a freelance writer. I always feel like Pauline and Petrova are going to get their licence. <laughs> like, how much will I make? Oh, God, because I want her at dinner parties in my life. I've, I've not read this yet. Um, I'm going to take Michelle Barmer. I'm reading that right now. Becoming because you know how how can you not? No. Um, I'm really excited about that. I feel like this is the bookshelf for all bookshelves. (laughs) I feel like this is such a perfect combination of modern and older writers. I'm taking lots of kids literature. I'm going to take "Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret" by Gigi Bloom because. It's Gigi Bloom. It's Gigi Bloom. And she's so good on puberty and so real. And sometimes I feel like I'm still going through puberty. <laughs> Finally, I'm going to say the Tales of the City books because I found them when I really, really needed good friends. And I think he writes more beautifully and honestly about love than a contemporary writer um, I know. And he is so, so funny and just so good at, at seeing things. And yeah, I'm never, ever going to tussled by good plots. I'm more confused by them than anything, but he just writes characters in such a, a compelling and well-fleshed way. And I'm going to throw in the new Jonathan Coe book. Is it called Middle England? Yes. Which I've not read yet, but I long to. And he is one of my many dream your booked guests. Oh, and I'm going to throw in One Day by David Nichols because I love that book. God, I've got to take Look at Me by Anita Bruckner haunting and beautiful and funny and dry devastating study on loneliness and all right and north anger abbey by jane austen because it still makes me laugh and a little princess oh really Mm. i didn't know that persuasion in north anger abbey oh wow happy anniversary happy anniversary and i get to take a little princess by francis um because i think all of my politics are based on that book and that will never change. Just for the record, this bookshelf is the size of the store, so it's absolutely fine um, that you've included all of oh these good. books in there. I was going to say, we can't really have a dinner party now, can we? It's standing room canapes. Yeah, unfortunately we uh, spent all the money on the bookshelf, so <laughs> we don't have enough money to, to feed everybody. BYOB, guys. <laughs> Bring your own book. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note... I definitely recommend everyone to BYOB Daisy's book to everywhere you go and to recommend it. Lastly, if you could just tell everybody how they can get in touch with you to tell you how fabulous you are. On Twitter, I'm at NotRollerGirl. On Instagram, I'm at TheDaisyB, Be Like the Insect. Your book is on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. It's like your, as in you are booked. Oh, thank you so, so, so much, Daisy, for being here. I've learned so much, and I now have even more to read and Googling afterwards of all these great authors that you included in your bookshelf. But everybody needs to catch up and read all of Daisy's books that have already come out and to look forward to The Sisterhood, which comes out in March 2019. March 7th. Cannot wait. Thank you so much, Daisy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Shelf Life. I'd love for you to tell me what you thought of it, either on Twitter or Instagram, or by leaving a review on iTunes. Until next time, happy reading!